The past couple of years have seen significant changes in how consumers shop and the purchase decisions they make. Among the biggest of those changes has been the continual shift to private label products as shoppers sought money-saving options. But going forward, how can retailers keep this momentum going? Welcome to Storebrand Spotlight. I'm Greg Sleeter, Executive Editor of Storebrands. Our guest today is Don Johnson, Principal with EUI Parthenon Consumer Strategy Practice. Don will share his expertise and insights on how retailers can strategically expand their private label assortments to meet the needs of shoppers while also differentiating from competitors. Don, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Our pleasure. Um, Don, as we get started, can you just give us a little bit of background uh, about EY Parthenon? Yeah, so EY Parthenon is the strategy arm of EY. And we primarily work with clients across a number of industries on strategic issues and transaction-based issues. Um, I spend most of my time in the consumer practice, which means I work with both retailers and CPG manufacturers, um, working largely on consumer questions, mostly to do with sort of growth and commercial opportunities, um, but sometimes I dabble in some other things. Gotcha. Well, thank you for that for that overview. Appreciate that. Um, it's been an interesting couple of years, to say the least, um, across retail and across a lot of areas. But um, and but part of that we've seen is this growth in private label, um, whether consumers were looking to save money, whether it was about um, you know product shortages and they had no other choice, so they figured, hey, let's give that other product a try, and then they found something they liked at a better value. Um, so we've seen a lot of retailers over the past couple of years really work to expand. Uh, their private label assortments, um, but in but within their mindset and how they go to market with these products, um, should they be thinking and executing more like a branded su product supplier and maybe less like a retailer? I think we have them shifting already to this sort of brand mindset. If you sort of flash back, you know, maybe five, eight years ago probably when I first noticed that private label, there, there seemed to be a demonstrable shift. I think retailers were just coming into their own and thinking about this, and they were looking for opportunities to expand their margins. Over the last several years, though, you've seen an increasing sophistication. And it reminds me of my days when I worked in a, a CPG brand, where their skill sets have really expanded. They have consumer or shopper insights, they have pricing expertise, they have innovation, they have strategic sourcing. They're really all in and they're really using these brands to push not only the retailer brand, but also establish these brands as brands unto themselves. In fact, I tend to think of them as own brands as opposed to private label these days. And not every retailer is at the same level, but you see that most retailers are really pushing into this hard. It's interesting because I think one of the things we've seen, I guess, you know, forever is the retailers really marketing um, themselves as the retailers, the place to shop and focused on the brand on the outside of the building. Um, but one of the things we saw more of in 2023 was um, more of these retailers pushing their own brands. Um, and I think Whole Foods 365, Kroger's done a lot of this. Um, but are there differences and are there commonalities in how they approach both efforts and promoting what's on the shelf that's exclusively theirs, while also promoting the brand that's on the outside of the building? I think the differences are that you find within particularly larger um, format retailers, 
multiple own brands, right? So they are creating not just the store X brand, but I might have, you know, store X premium, et cetera. And they come up with their own names and these brands take a, on a life of their own. And one of the things that I found that's really interesting is that the more sophisticated retailers actually think about which of their own brands fit which categories. And they will create multiple brands depending on the types of categories. And it's not just food and general merchandise, health and beauty, et cetera, but also within food, for example, you can see this playing out. And so I do think that there is a difference in how they're thinking about their own banners versus these brands now. Now, not everyone's there, and there's certainly retailers that have a singular brand um, that goes across the store. That's perfectly fine as well. Um, but I think that when you have particularly larger format, larger assortments, you will see more and more of this, this sort of separation of the banner and the own brands within it. As we mentioned, we're seeing a lot of expansion with private brands um, and retailers are looking for new opportunities um, to grow maybe the, the brands they already have or maybe looking to develop new brands. Um, but as they do so, um, what advice would you have for them to do so? And I guess do so wisely and not, you know, overextend themselves. I think it it comes down to that sort of brand mentality. The same things that, you know, branded manufacturers do, retailers are now going to need to do. So you need to identify where there are opportunities for expansion. Um, how do I actually test and learn? How do I cut bait when something's not working? Um, all of the same insights that if I'm a branded manufacturer, if I'm launching a new product, if I'm leveraging innovation, that I would, you know, that I would think about as I was going to market, retailers also have to think about this as well. I think what's been happening is that we've had this really unique environment um, as of late, right? It's sort of a, a confluence, I think, of sort of three things that have been happening. One, you've had this pressure on affordability and people focused on price levels as opposed to inflation rates. So that's one thing. Then I think you have people redefining for themselves broadly, not just in food and general merchandise, but broadly, you know, what does it mean to be brand loyal? And then you have this continuous improvement, as you've been pointing out, on the quality and the availability, availability of private label brands. I think going forward, that environment, you know, will remain, but as the economy or as people feel better about the economy, you can't just rely on that. And so I do think that retailers will have to be mindful of how far they push, how fast they push. Now, the beauty of being a retailer is that I have, you know, perfect information about my most loyal shoppers, the ones that join my loyalty programs. And so you have all sorts of information available at your fingertip to make good decisions. The question is, will you make those good decisions? And I think that's that will become the challenge because as we've talked about having a brand mindset, you still don't necessarily have all of the brand type people inside of retailers. And so that will become, I think, a challenge, sort of a war for talent, a war for capabilities as as you want to hone your sort of private label portfolio. Yeah, that, that's interesting, I guess, and in, in a change of or an, or an evolution of mindset where um, you're still a merchant at one level, but then you need that product development team. And we see retailers now 
growing those teams, but you know, acting almost like a supplier and a retailer at once as you develop those products or develop the concept for the product. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. To that, as we talk about product development and coming up with those those new product lines and meeting the needs of consumers, um, the retailers obviously are going to rely on suppliers, and there are you know thousands of suppliers out there that make private label products. Um, can you kind of talk about what may seem like an obvious concept, but we're seeing more of it now, where it's less retailer supplier relationship, but more of a partnership as they develop these lines? Yeah, that's what I was referencing. I call it sort of strategic sourcing where I, it's not just finding the lowest cost. I need to find someone who can make my recipes. I'm looking for differentiation, not just, um, I'm not just trying to copy the national brand. And so this partnership is very important, particularly in certain categories. Maybe there's some categories where it's simply, look, it's a commodity. I just need to have it. I have my own brand on it. But a lot of the differentiation that we're talking about comes through these partnerships where I, as a retailer, decide I want my product to be distinctive and distinctive from the national brand. I need an organic um, skew. I need you know, this flavor or that flavor. And so these partnerships are actually very important, um, not only for the ability to innovate and work together with the retailer, but also certainly constancy of supply. You want to make sure that you can have the supply on the shelf when you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think to that, um, now, was we as that product development process uh, gets going, um, you know, retailers may, you know, they're 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 fully supportive of what they're doing, um, but there's still a need to test those products and make sure they understand exactly what the shoppers want. They have the data, and now they've made the product. Um, what's the best way for them to go about, you know, testing products? I think that the best way is to do what the branded companies do, right? Like ultimately, you go to shoppers or consumers. You test, you know, you know, A versus B. Um, there used to be a time, and I think we've moved away from this, where it was we would, you know, retailers would develop the products, but ultimately the decision came down to a handful of executives. Now I think they're getting much more sophisticated about leveraging actual consumers, understanding trial, understanding repeat, understanding performance over time. That's just like branded manufacturers. That is that level of sophistication, which which is why I say. This isn't going to go away. This is here to stay, right? Because retailers have now started to catch up to what the brands, food, particularly like food manufacturers have been doing when I think about sort of taste tests and things like that, but also outside of food where you're thinking about performance and things like that, the testing is getting more sophisticated. And and the, 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 the development process, um, you know, when we talk about a national brand developing a new product, they're they're investing the time and the money um, and the effort to develop those new products. But now the retailers are doing that. The retailers need to, again, as you said, take some of those ideas from the national brands um, when they're developing their own brand products. Um, as they make investments in new products, what what should they look to do with those investments and what investments should they make? And are there things that they should look to avoid? This, I think, is the tricky part. Because you have to think about where the categories where I can expand my offering, right? If I if I think, if you if you think about the beginning of our conversation, the role of own brands is obviously to burnish the retailer's brand and create affinity with the shopper, but it is also for margin expansion, 
right? It means that I can actually, you know, take a little bit more of, of a dollar spent because you bought my brand versus a brand that I had to purchase from someone else. Um, and so I think that there are category decisions that you have to make. Not every category is open for rampant privately, right? There are certain categories where simply you've seen over time, they're just resistant and brands remain supreme. I think the second thing that you have to think about is sort of, I call it sort of the features and functions in the product. How far do I push this um, before a consumer says, you know what? There are too many things in here. It's too different than what I'm thinking about. That sort of gets back to that consumer insight. And you see branded manufacturers do this as well, where you add things that consumers are unwilling to pay for. I think the third thing is there's always still minding the price gap. Um, you always have to think about, well, I have these product features. I have these ingredients. I have this cost. I have this brand. I'm still it's still there to be compared with something else for most private label shoppers. And so you always have to make sure that you're minding that sort of price gap because at some point, not every, not every segment, but there's some segments that will say, if the gap is X, I'm willing to buy this. I'm willing to continue to buy it. But some might say eh, at a certain price gap, I'm just going to go for the brand because I understand the brand. They advertise to me you know, on TV directly with offers, et cetera. So I think those are the types of considerations. The, the most important one, I think, particularly in the, in the space where we are now, is deciding where else in the store can I have a brand? Where, how stretchy are the brands that I have? And where should I wait? Because it is a lot of investment. It's also shelf space. And so you have to be thoughtful, right? I need a return on that investment and in, in, in putting something on the shelf. So I do have to know where this will work. And I think, you know, the center of the store is pretty well, you know, in a grocery store, pretty well worn, you know, for every brand, there's a private label. I think thinking about it around the perimeter now is the next sort of area where they have to get really sharp.